welcome you to Herald Broadcasting Network's Bible Banquet, running currently on the book of 2 Thessalonians. Today, by the grace of God, we'll read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's go together. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of prediction who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God seated in the temple of God, showed himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what we told that, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken away out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even where even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all the severalness of unrighteousness in them that perish. He, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie that all might be damned who believe not the truth or had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always unto God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold traditions, the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which had beloved us, and had given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in good works and his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, of all we have read from the scripture, this is a sum. Paul cautions against the, the error that the time of Christ's coming was just at hand. Again, question that there would be first a general apostasy 
from the faith and the revealing of the Antichrist man, the man of sin, that he writes in verse 1 to 4, his destruction and that of those who obey him, or as in verses 5 to 12, and finally, he writes about the security of the Thessalonians from apostasy, an exhortation to steadfastness and prayer for them. Verses 13 to 17. Now here are some beautiful lessons we may draw from this reading. If errors arise among Christians, we should set them right, and good men will be careful to suppress errors which rise from mistaking their words and actions. We have a cunning adversary who watches to do mischief and will promote errors even by the words of Scripture. Whatever uncertainty we are in or whatever mistakes may, be, may arise about the time of Christ's coming, that coming itself is certain. This has been the faith and hope of all Christians in all ages of the church. It was the faith and hope of the Old Testament saints. All believers shall be gathered together to Christ to be with him and to be happy in his presence forever. Amen. We should firmly believe the second coming of Christ. But there was danger lest the Thessalonians being mistaken as to the time should question the truth or certainty of the thing itself. False doctrines are like the winds that toss the water to and fro, and they unsettle the minds of men, which are unstable as water. It is enough for us to know that our Lord will come and will gather all his sins to himself. A reason why they should not expect the coming of Christ as a time is given. There will be a general falling away first, such as would occasion the rise of Antichrist, that man of sin. There have been great disputes who or what is intended by this man of sin and son of perdition. The man of sin not only practices wickedness, but also promotes and commands sin and wickedness in others, and is the son of perdition because he is devoted to certain destruction and is the instrument of destruction to many others, both in soul and body. The Antichrist is not necessarily against Christ. Rather, he takes his place in the Church of Christ, assumes the place of Christ, and presumes his divine prerogative to forgive sins, as God was in the temple of old, and worshipped therein, and is in and with the Church even now. So the Antichrist here mentioned is the usurper of Christ's authority in the Christian Church, who claimed divine honors. And the Antichrist is identifiable uh, as a papacy, the power of the Christian Roman Empire, which the Apostle Paul does not mention more plainly at this time. 
The combination of paganistic and Christian worship had begun then. It came in by degrees and the usurping of divine power was gradual. Thus the mystery of iniquity prevailed. Superstition and idolatry were advanced by pretended devotion, and bigotry and persecution were promoted by the pretended zeal for God and for His glory. This mystery of iniquity was even then begun, while the apostles were yet living. Persons pretended zeal for Christ but really opposed Him. The fall or ruin of the anti-Christian state is declared. The pure word of God with the Spirit of God will discover this mystery of iniquity, and in due time it shall be destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Signs and wonders and visions and miracles are pretended, but they are false signs to support false doctrines and lying wonders or only pretended miracles to cheat the t- people and the, and the, the diabolical disease with which the anti-Christian state had been supported and notorious. The persons are described who are the Antichrist willing subjects. Their sin is this. They did not love the truth and therefore did not believe it, and they are pleased with false notions. God leaves them to themselves, then sin will follow, of course, and spiritual judgment here, and eternal punishment hereafter. These prophecies have, in great measure, come to pass, and confirm the truth of the scriptures. This passage exactly agrees with the system of popery, and it prevails in the Romish church. And under the Romish popes, but though the son of perdition had been revealed, though he has opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, and has spoken and acted as if he were a god upon earth, and has proclaimed his insolent pride and supported the delusions by lying miracles and all kinds of frauds. Still, the Lord has not yet fully destroyed him with the brightness of his coming. That and other prophecies remain to be fulfilled before the end shall come. When we hear the apostasy of many, it is a great comfort and joy that there is a remnant according to the election of grace, which does and shall preserve. They keep all the commandments of God and maintain the pure faith that is in Christ Jesus, and they have the testimony of Jesus, which means the spirit of prophecy. We can see that on Revelation 12:17, Revelation 14:12, and Revelation 19:10. Especially we should rejoice. If we have reason to hope that we are numbered among Christ's last day church, who are faithful remnants, very few in number, the preservation of the saints is because God loved them with an everlasting love from the beginning of the world. The end and the means must not be separated 
Faith and holiness must not must be joined together, as well as holiness and happiness. The outward court of God is by the gospel, and this is rendered effectual by the inward working of the Spirit. The belief of the truth brings the sinner to rely on Christ, and so to love and obey Him. It is sealed by the Holy Spirit upon his heart. We have no certain proof of anything having been delivered by the apostles more than that we find contained in the Holy Scriptures. Let us then stand fast in the doctrines taught by the apostles and reject all additions and vain traditions of men. We may and should direct our prayers not only to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, but also to our Lord Jesus Christ himself. No other mediator is able to stand for us before God, not even his mother Mary. And we should pray in Christ's name unto God, not only as his Father, but as our Father in and through him. The love of God in Christ Jesus is the spring and fountain of all the good we have or hope for. There is good reason for strong consolation, therefore, because the saints have good hope through grace. Free grace and mercy of God are what we hope for and what their hopes are founded upon and not any worth or merit of our own. The more pleasure we take in the words and works and ways of God, the more likely we shall be to persevere therein. But if we are wavering in faith and of a doubt in mind, halting and faltering in our duty, there is no wonder that we are strangers to the joys of the Lord. So I pray that the Lord may keep us faithful to the very end that the Lord will make us you know, be a part of the remnant to keep all of his commandments including the seventh day Sabbath that we may also keep the faith of Jesus that we will persevere through all manners of persecutions and conditions till the end I pray that God will give us a crown, a everlasting crown that we may be with him forever And as we go out this morning, I pray the Lord's grace will abound for us. And those who are in need of healing, the Lord will send his word to touch them. Anyone who is in bondage, the Lord will send his word to deliver. And grace will open doors for you. Let the grace of God open doors for you. That everywhere you go today, you will find favor. May you go in the strength of the Lord and have good victory. In the name of Jesus, amen.